All right, your eyes are not deceiving you. I know the earth has had some hot sun. This is not Randy with a, with a tan. This is not, you know, shaved his head, nothing like that. But I'm Leroy. I'm so glad to be here, so glad to, to, to share with you guys today. Um, when I first got in this morning, I was saying Michelle took my job coming up here. I didn't know. Oh, oh I'm, I'm bringing a word, bringing a word. So we're going to, you know, just go with me this morning. I, I'm just asking God to, to just move, just to just move. Uh, in his global gospel farm to make disciples, God works and God has work for us to do. Now, we're going to see that we work on the field, but God works in the field. As we look at this passage of Scripture today, I want us to consider first what our work is. That is, what roles God wants us to fulfill in his mission to make disciples. Then secondly, I want us to learn what God's role is. What work does he do? It is my prayer today and always, it's always my prayer that our God uses me as a source of inspiration to deliver a message of encouragement, hope, and possibilities. A message filled with love, direction, and instructions. It is my sincere belief that our God desires repentance from all, and he would like to use each one of us to plant, to water, to fertilize, to till the heart, and at times, we're going to need to pull some weeds this work is performed by us with the intent of preparing the heart for increase. Today, as I stand before you, you know, I, don't, I do not take this opportunity lightly, nor do I take for granted your time and attention today. I believe God would like to use each of us to build his kingdom. Now, when, when God offered Jesus as a sacrifice, he laid the foundation. And as workers together with him, you and I, us, we, we are his husbandry, those who have been left in charge to care for his affairs, which are his people. We have a responsibility. So let's go ahead and get into this, into the word today and learn together how we fit into God's plan. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you to say thank you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for yet another opportunity, Lord, to, to just be a blessing to, to your people, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you, allow, that you will allow me to, to, to just speak, to speak and, and, and allow those words to be coming from you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I ask that you allow me to decrease as you increase. Lord, we love you. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We're going to come from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. And I... I I'm going to read this, but when we get to the last verse, I really want you guys to read it with me. Uh, and, and I just, I think it'll just allow us to have a little bit more buy-in to what I'm going to say later. Verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. Our work on the field, what, is that, what does that look like? What does our work look like? What is our role as workers together with him? Now, it, it is my belief in order for us to be instrumental 
in preparing the heart for increase, we will need to operate in different roles. Now, the one thing about the role that you operate in, you won't know which one you're doing at that time, or you, you won't even know where that heart is in the process. But the, thing, the interesting thing about it, it isn't important to know when or where. It's just important that we understand growth comes from God, which brings me to the big idea. The big idea, no God, no growth. No God, no growth. At times, at times, our role will be, as I said, to till, to plant, to water, to fertilize, and we, we're going to have to pull some weeds. Now, I listed, those, I listed those in an order, but make no mistake, in order for God to give increase in the heart, he doesn't need any order or checklist. Please, please don't get caught up in trying to figure out if you're currently planting, watering, fertilizing, or pulling weeds of the heart. Just try and model Jesus whenever you have the opportunity. So we're going to start with tilling. Tilling naturally as a gardener or farmer breaks and loosens the soil to receive the seed. Tilling the heart as a fellow worker with God, we should produce the same effect which is the ultimate goal is to loosen and soften the heart so it is ready to receive the seed. Now, all my life, all, all my life, I've worked in some form of customer service. And in customer service, I've encountered all types of people. Now, I try, God knows I try, to make sure my conversation in my lifestyle, or better yet, my modeling of Jesus speaks through me. Now, over the years, over the years, I, I've had on an on occasion or two or three or four, I've dealt with some angry customers, customers who don't mind sharing the anger they're feeling towards the company at the time. Now, this may surprise a few of you to actually know some of the statements they've said to me, or maybe you were that customer who said it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I've, I've literally had angry customers say, I've come in today to raise some hell. And the first time I heard this statement, without hesitation or giving it a second thought, I responded, how about we try to lower heaven today? Now, that was, that was over 20 years ago. And, and today, I primarily work from home and I deal with customers over the phone. But guess what? The anger hasn't stopped. And they still say the same thing. But praise be to God, without hesitation, I respond the same way. Customers, customers need to be able to understand that we can bring heaven into the conversation. And if you're able to do that, that, that allows you room in without, without starting a fight. And as, and as I was preparing, preparing this lesson, God allowed me to realize I've never, ever, not once, ever, and it, does, it hasn't happened a hundred times or anything like that, but I've never received a, a, a negative reply. No one has ever, ever responded in a negative way. Now, I didn't know if the person was a believer or not. I had no idea if they were a believer, but I was willing to bet if they're using that, that phrase, they're equating hell to negativity and anger. And I was determined to bring heaven into the conversation. And I'm, I'm always trying to soften the heart. I'm attempting, I was attempting to give a reply that won't stir up any more anger. And Proverbs 15 and 1 tells us, 
It says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now, can you imagine, can you imagine if I would have taken on that fight? As a, as a fellow worker with Christ and one of his bold ambassadors, I'm bold, <laughs> I'm bold, and one who, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ, and I definitely, I definitely am one who will tell it to any and everyone. I'll tell anybody about Jesus. Now, if I, if I would have shied away from that moment, I think it, I would have been taken away from tilling that heart. And if I do that, I may run the risk of hardening, hardening that heart even more. Now, you, you don't have to do as I do. But I am saying, pray and ask God for an opportunity, the opportunity to bring Jesus, to bring heaven, to bring religion into the conversation. And it, it doesn't have to be anything grand. One of the things that I, that I have on my email, my signature on my email says, to have friends, you must show yourself friendly. And people have asked me over the years, where'd that quote come from? <laughs> it's an opportunity to share Jesus. It's an opportunity. I'm just telling you, it's an opportunity to say, that's from the Word of God. That's from the Word of God. God wants everyone saved. He wants, he wants everyone saved. And if there's no God, there's no growth. God, God gave me the opportunity to share with individuals, and he gives it to me every single day. And I'm not suggesting, I'm not suggesting at all that you run into work and start shouting from the rooftop your undying love to Jesus Christ. You can. You, you can do that. But, but I'm not suggesting because, you know, sometimes people want to remind you of the company rules when you bring up religion. And I, and I had a coworker tell me that, you know, I can't believe you felt bold enough to tell her, uh, to bring heaven into the conversation. I said, hey, she brought up hell. I did, you know, I had to let her know there was an opposite. You know, there's an opposite. <laughs> but, but we are ambassadors. We are ambassadors to Christ, with Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21, it says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Tilling the heart opens the heart to receive seed and water. Tilling the heart makes it easier for the seed to penetrate the heart, which will allow the seed to thrive and the roots of that seed to grow deeper. Remember, even in tilling the heart, we got to keep this perspective. No God, no growth. And, and we're going to have to plant in water. And we, we're not going to know when, but we're going to have to plant in water. We'll go back to 1 Corinthians 6b. Paul says, I planted Apollos water. A couple of weeks back, a couple of weeks back, I was having a conversation with my cousin, you know, and it was, it was about his acceptance to, with Jesus, to Jesus, his acceptance of Jesus in his heart. Now, part of my reasoning was due to the fact that I was preparing this message and I needed to refresh my memory. Um, now, you see, years ago, years ago, him and I, uh, he and I were in a men's group and he mentioned to the group how instrumental I was in his trans transformation from sinner to saint. As we, have, as we were having our conversation a couple weeks ago, 
you know, I was shocked. Now I was shocked when he said, I wasn't the one who planted the seed in his heart. Now in my heart, I had been boasting that I was responsible for him loving Jesus. I was, I was just excited about that. And as he was telling me this, his story, I interrupted him and I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought I was the one. I, 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 started, I started thinking to myself, wait a minute, I think I may be pulling a little pride in my heart right now. And, and I had to remember the ver- one, of the, one of the scriptures that, that, that I, I was using, 2 Corinthians. Jesus did all the heavy lifting. He had already laid the foundation. There was nothing I, I could do. I had to remind myself about the scripture that we read. That verse 7 says, So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. You know, and I, and I, you know, I, I kind of let my cousin continue. I kind of let him. Um, and he began to remind me that, you know, because, you know, you only played, you, you played a part of the, in the process. And, and he said, as a child, I knew the seed was being planted in my heart. He said, I witnessed my grandmother reading the Bible and praying every day. He said, cuz... That's what, he, that's what he calls me. He says, cuz. He said, cuz, you know the most amazing thing about that? My grandmother was 80% blind, but she read the Bible every day. Her example and dedication to reading the Word, and never once, she never once complained about her condition. It stuck with me. And even though I've, I've had some struggles, cuz, over the years and reached a low point in my life, God allowed that example to be a seed which she planted in my heart, that seed sprouted in my heart. It began to grow. And guess what? At the right moment, you came along and watered that seed even more. He said, you were instrumental in the process, but you can't take the credit. And I had to remind myself again, the big idea, no God, no growth. He, he said it was a series of events and people I met along the way and some pain I went through that brought me to Christ. Now, hearing him tell me, tell me this about his conversion, my heart rejoiced. God used all these different people and situations to convert this one soul. In other words, me having this knowledge helped, helped me to understand that so long as I, so as long as I'm obedient to the Lord, I understand that we play an important role in the process with full understanding that the production of this work and fruit isn't dependent on us. It will keep us from crumbling under the pressure, under burden and strain of feeling that success, success of someone's life or, or increase in their heart relies on my ability. Now, if you're anything like me, there are certain times in, of the day and week that God can count on me, you know, because... Other things seem at times to take precedence over others. And I try not to do that. I really do. Now, if we thought that God would not reward our labors, we might just throw up our hands in despair or grow complacent and just quit. If we didn't know that God gives the increase, if we didn't know that, if we, if we just felt in our heart that as soon as I planted it, the fruit should just sprout, we might get overwhelmed with discouragement. But we need to understand each of these truths, they're complementary to, to the relationship 
to our relationship, and it keeps us enthused about the work that God has called us to do. And knowing that God will reward our work. God will use our labors to labor to make things grow. No God, no growth. We can count on it. We can anticipate his gracious recognition of all we have done. And that's the part of giving increase into their heart. There's a part that I mentioned earlier that we're going to have to play to make disciples. We're going to have to fertilize in weed. Fertilizing and pulling weeds requires having a relationship. You're going to have to have a relationship. Fertilizing the soil, we got to understand, we'll need to, it'll, it require us to read the word. As individuals, we got to read the word. We need to talk to God through prayer. We, we will especially need to gather together as we're doing this morning. And as we'll have an opportunity to do next Friday at Friday Fellowship, we can come out and gather with each other and just allow us to continue to grow even more. The church also plays a role in fertilizing the heart of individuals and and helping them to reach discipleship. We'll have to offer more times of fellowship. I know we got next Friday, but we need, as a church, have to offer more times. Small groups, we just got to continue to pump into those small groups and, and, and soon, Soon, we'll have to ramp up the classes again so people can come and grow in Christ and become disciples for him. Fertilizing the heart is an important part, and it's an important step in becoming and making disciples. Fertilizer fertilizer helps to provide nutrients to the heart so the seed can grow. But those nutrients, they can immediately be taken by weeds. And it's no different than the nutrients in the, in the seed that we plant in the heart. Satan wants to take it. Satan would love to steal that seed, overshadow that seed, and take the nutrients from the heart that has been planted. Mark 4, and in the, in, in these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and take away the word that is sown in them. So I'm, I'm saying, let's get plugged into classes or small groups. And and, and I think it will help us in building relationships with others, which will further equip us to pull weeds. Pulling weeds requires a relationship. What garden or heart would not be complete without weeds? Just as a garden have many types of weeds, which are designed to steal water and nutrients from those planted seeds, weeds that, are, that try and take root in the heart are designed to choke out the seed that was planted. Now, the heart can have many seeds, many weeds, weeds of anger, weeds of resentment, weeds of pride, weeds of doubt, and weeds of judgment. To pull weeds out of someone's heart is going to require having a relationship with the individual. You're going to need an invitation from the individual to pull weeds out of their heart. If you haven't been invited, Please don't try to pull weeds out of someone's heart. You can try to pull a weed, and you might pull a weed out of your own heart. And and I'm speaking from experience. I tried to pull a weed out of someone's heart, and God pulled a weed of judgment out of my heart. I went to breakfast with a guy uh, at a ministry I was a part of prior to coming to Windsor Road Christian Church. And he was a deacon at the the ministry, and I was an elder, and we went to breakfast, and we... we got up early a Saturday morning, went out to uh, eat breakfast, and we got to the restaurant. And when we got there, he said, oh, this guy's going to show up. You know him, right? I said, yeah, I know him. I knew him, but the other guy had a relationship. 
and the deacon had a relationship. So we get into the, into the restaurant, and he shows up very shortly after that. And not even, not even two minutes of him being there, the deacon starts laying in on him. He says, you know, God doesn't like the fact that you're sleeping with that woman. God doesn't like the fact that you're shacking with that woman. God doesn't like, you know, this in your life. And he, and he looks to me and he goes, the deacon says, tell him, elder, tell him the word. You know the word, tell him the word. And the whole time God is saying, just tell him about me. Just tell him about me. And I'm just still sitting there. I'm not saying anything. And the guy hasn't said anything either. And he just, he's still going in on him. And then he says, come on, elder, tell him. Tell him about the word. And I opened my mouth, but I didn't tell him what God told me to tell him. I said, you know, the word does say it is better to marry than to burn. And by this time, our food had showed up. And he said, yeah, God would rather for you not to eat that pork either. And I was like, oh, my God. And at that moment, God said, I told you to tell him about me. Tell him about me. Not about you. Not about what you think you know about him. Tell him about me. If you tell him about me, I can increase in his heart. And that's all I needed to do. And that's God's work on the, in the field is to increase, is to grow. That's God's work. Everyone knows from agriculture, no matter how gifted you are or how many relationships you have, no gardener or farmer actually causes plants to grow. All he or she does is provide the conditions under which growth can take place by the blessing and power of God. To God alone belongs the credit for producing. As Paul turns from considering the labor of Apollos and his own activity to the activity of God, there is a significant change in tense. Paul's church planning ministry was limited to an 18-month period, and Apollos was engaged, was engaged in watering for a limited amount of time. Throughout the whole period of their activity and beyond, whether they were awake or asleep, God was continually at work, causing the word to keep growing and thriving in the Corinthians' heart. Why? Because it is God who keeps giving the growth. No God, no growth. Neither the planter is anything nor the waterer, but only God who does the growing. Back in verse 5, Paul had asked, what, after all, is Apollos? What is Paul? Now he answers, saying, in essence, we're nothing. While we are sleeping, God is working. While we have taken a break to watch a movie, God is working. While we're having family time, God is working. While we're on those vacations, <laughs> God is working. God masterfully uses every one of us to complete the work. God wants to use each of us, and he doesn't view the role we play in the process as insignificant. It isn't insignificant. I'm telling you, I, when, I, when I woke up this morning and I was praying, the most powerful thing that God spoke to my spirit was that I don't need you, but what made me feel great, I want you. I want you. And I'm just glad God wants me. Just as a great carpenter does, no one tool in the tool belt is insignificant. Each one is needed to complete the work. Now, as I walk through this journey with God, I wonder, I wonder quite a few times, I'm per, am I personally being effective for God? Does God have any use of me? Considering all the issues I have, how could I possibly be impactful for Christ? Now, have you ever asked yourself or thought that yourself that, am I doing what God wants me to do? Am I insignificant? Do, do this person think of me this way or think of me that way? 
you know, you, you may have had the conversation that the, the tools had in the carpenter's tool belt. They were having a discussion, an important discussion about who was more important or who brought what or what issues the other person had. And they all came to Brother Hammer, who Hammer served as the chairman of the, the tool belt. And the other members of the tool belt informed him that he must leave. They came to Brother Hammer and they said, you must leave because you make too much noise. You're too noisy. But Brother Hammer said, if I have to leave this carpenter's shop, then Brother Gimlet must go too. He's insignificant and makes a very small impression. Then little Brother Gimlet arose and said, all right, but Brother Screwdriver must go also. You have to turn him around and around and around and around to get anywhere with him. Brother Screwdriver turned to the other twos in the belt and he said, if you wish, I will go. But nevertheless, Brother Plain must leave too. All his work is on the surface. There's no death to what he does. <laughs> to this, Brother Plain leveled his terse reply. Well then, Brother Saul would have to depart too. The changes he proposes always cuts too deep. Brother Saul complained, saying, Brother Ruler will have to withdraw if I leave. For he's always measuring other folks as though he were the only one who was right. Brother Ruler then surveyed the group because he said, I'm not by myself. He looked around and he said, Brother Sandpaper doesn't belong here either. He's rougher than he ought to be and is always rubbing people the wrong way. In the midst of this discussion, the carpenter of Nazareth walked in. He had come to perform his day's work. He put on his tool belt and went to the, and went to the workbench to make a pulpit. He employed the ruler, the saw, the plane, the hammer, the gimlet, the screwdriver, the sandpaper, and all the other tools. When the day's work was over, the pulpit was finished. Jesus said, it is finished. And he went home to be with our father. All the accusations against each of these tools were absolutely true. Yet the carpenter used every one of them, no matter which tool he used, no other tool could have done the work better. No one can speak to your neighbor like you speak to your neighbor. No one can speak to your coworker like you speak to your coworker. God has prepared the hearts of your family members to receive a word from you. It doesn't have to be anything grand. It could just be God bless you. How are you doing today? It could be just smiling to them because God already knows who's in his kingdom. So don't lose heart. Don't grow weary. Remain diligent. Sometimes spreading the gospel can be a slow process that involves many stages. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 tells us, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. So why is all this important? Why is it important? If my work is so insignificant, what kind of harvest will it produce? Mark 4, 26 through 32 tells us what God does with our insignificant labor as fellow workers with him. Verse 26, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he, and he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? 
or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. That's why God uses us. That's, we're not insignificant. And, I, and, and I'm telling you, you don't know. We can't see how it grows. We don't know how it grows. And it's, that's not important. No God, no growth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you an example here. My wife did a garden. She did a garden um, back some, about three, two, three months ago. And I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. I'm like, ah, cutting the grass is enough. And Joshua does that. <laughs> You know, and Josh does that. I'm just like, okay, I'm, I, that's just enough for me. And she was insistent on having this garden. And ended up, our neighbor came over, and he, he kind of moved the top layer of the grass off. And then my wife, she did the tilling. And I wasn't going to take a picture of that, but she did the tilling. She put that fertilizer in there, and she laid the landscape paper and when she laid the landscape paper, she cut out the holes where she was going to put the, she was going to put the uh, plant, and we still got through the landscaping paper. I'm telling you, weeds are relentless. But anyway, I want tell me if you can identify this plant. Identify this plant. This is this is when she first put it down. Now we didn't do anything special but continue to water it, and from watering it, we didn't see how this happened, but this happened. That's that. That's a sweet potato vine. I'm going, how did that happen? We never saw that thing grow. I don't know where it came from. But the parts that we play were very important to it becoming what it is today. God bless you. You guys have a wonderful day.